I'm Carson Horn, and it's Friday at 11, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. Welcome in, everyone, and happy Friday. We are live here on Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. Thank you all for tuning in. We've got a great show planned as we're hitting the final game. It's crazy how fast it has gone of this five-game homestand to open the season for Auburn. This was unique and very rare to play five straight home games to open the season. After this weekend, Auburn football will only have three more home games, and they'll be spread out throughout the rest of the year. So we're going to dive into Auburn football. We're going to recap and try to make sense of the Missouri game, which is not going to be easy to do. And we're going to give a little bit of a preview of the LSU game this week, uh, looking at how Auburn should attack this and what Auburn needs to do to win this game, and just look at the Overall, save the program kind of like we did last week. And then, of course, in the final segment, like always, we'll finish up with some predictions for some other games around the weekend. It's a big weekend, the SEC. There's a lot of exciting matchups to go over. So I'm looking forward to doing that. But I'd be remiss if I didn't start off by discussing a few other things going on in Auburn athletics. And that's starting with the Auburn volleyball team, who is undefeated, went 14-0 in conference play. Had a huge game, huge match, excuse me, uh, Wednesday night against Mississippi State to open up SEC play. They won in a five-set thriller, so they are still undefeated. So congratulations to the volleyball team and uh, wish them continued success throughout uh, the rest of this uh, year for them. And then also Auburn basketball. Uh, I think a lot of Auburn fans are already getting excited about that with the way the football season has gone, but we're not going to ignore the football season. There's going to be plenty of time to talk about Auburn basketball, but they started practice this week. There's a lot of uh, excitement around this new team, some new faces uh, with a couple of freshmen, new freshmen coming in, a couple of transfers. Of course, Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler are now in the NBA, so those are big shoes to fill. But guys like Janai Broom, guys like Johan Treor, guys like Chance uh, Westry and Trey Donaldson are all coming in and joining this group. So it should be another exciting year for Auburn basketball, of course, of note there is that Alan Flanagan is currently out with some personal reasons. Uh, we're not going to speculate on that, but wish him the best, and hopefully he'll be able to return soon. But again, we'll have plenty of time to talk about uh, Auburn basketball coming up, but I did want to mention that they did start uh, this this uh, past week with practices. And then, of course, Auburn baseball also getting going with a little fall, uh, fall inter-squad, I think, this weekend. And they'll play a couple of fall games uh, as well. But with that being said, let's get into this uh, Auburn football weekend that we're, we've got uh, coming up ahead. This this LSU and Auburn series, and this it really has been a great rivalry in the SEC for, for years. And there's a lot of great history, of course. We all remember the building burning during the game. Uh, there's been coaches fired after the Auburn game. Think about Les Miles. Had Auburn lost that game, Gus Malzahn may have gotten fired and ended up, you know, in that game. LSU thinks they won it. They didn't get the snap off in time. Therefore, Auburn won it. That was a, a crazy one there. And of course, we all remember last year's game where pretty much Bo Nix single-handedly won that game for Auburn, and Auburn broke the, the curse uh, after it had you know been since the 90s since Auburn had won Baton Rouge. So, again, that that's the recent history. There's been some bad blood. There's been some fights. I, I don't think you'll see that this year, of course, LSU uh, under new head coach Brian Kelly. Uh, but they're coming back to, coming to Auburn this year with revenge on their mind after, of course, Auburn got the win last year down there, as I just mentioned. But, again, this is a historic SEC classic SEC matchup. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, to watch this game this weekend, just to see those, those schools, those colors on the field together. It, it's a great sight. But before we get into that, let's first try to recap this Missouri game. Auburn won this game 17-14 to in overtime. It honestly may have been the most painful, one of the ugliest wins of my time as, as being an Auburn fan and watching Auburn football 
I was alive for the 3-2 victory over Mississippi State. However, I was not old enough to remember that game or really even be able to take in what I was watching if I was even watching it. So I, I would have to say this might might have been the ugliest win uh, of my time uh, watching and being an Auburn uh, football fan. It, and uh, from what I've read, uh, even those that saw the 3-2 game would agree with me because at least the defenses in in that game with Auburn and Mississippi State were actually pretty solid. And, and a funny, funny stat about this Auburn-Missouri game, there's actually less total yards of offense from Auburn in this game that they won against Missouri this past weekend than there were in that 3-2 to two game. They have more yards of total offense, which is very sad. I mean, very sad uh, stat. And there's plenty, plenty more stats that you can look at so far for, from just that game or for the season so far at Auburn that are uh, painful to look at, to, to really put into perspective of how bad uh, the season has kind of gone so far for Auburn, but yet here we are. You're sitting at three and one because of this victory. Now you could again, and arguably should be sitting at two and two, but nonetheless you're you're sitting at three and one. But we're all talking about Brian Harson being fired and his job security, and yet he's like I said last week, still got everything in front of him. You're still one and zero in the SEC, and, and and it is funny to to think about that. But I think most Auburn fans know what the schedule ahead looks like. And it's going to start this weekend. But again, not to jump ahead of myself as I'm doing a little bit here. This Missouri game. So let's look back at it. So Auburn starts out with a, uh, goes up 14 to nothing. And honestly, didn't look too, too bad. But I said it, I, I said it to my family who I was uh, watching the game with. I said, yeah, Auburn's going up 14 to nothing. I said, but it hasn't necessarily been pretty. It wasn't like just like, you know, smashing them in the mouth, doing, you know, you know, imposing your will on the team. It really wasn't that way, even that first drive. Now, the second drive was the interception by Derek Hall, so you had the short field, so therefore that was that. But that first drive, where Auburn like, drove it down the field, just not even throwing the ball, I think the first 15 plays were all runs. Even that, even in that first drive, it wasn't, oh, five yards of carry here, seven yards of carry here. Had to go for it on fourth down, I believe, once or twice maybe uh, on that drive, on that opening drive as well as Robbie Asher made things happen when plays broke down. It, it was not, again, Tank just running all over him. Uh, Missouri, that, that was not the case. So I had a feeling that, ugh, yeah, we're up 14 to nothing. I had a feeling that the offense was going to stall out because they weren't dominating. Just a few things clicked here and there, and I feared once Missouri made some adjustments uh, that things will slow down. Now, with that being said, I did not expect the offense to just completely completely looked in up the whole rest of the game and not be able to do literally anything. But it continued a trend that we've seen, and I talked about last week, with the Brian Harson era. The inability to adjust, or at least the inability to adjust the adjustments that the other team makes, starting out, I, I mean, this trend starts of how poorly Auburn's been in the second half, and especially the fourth quarter of games in the Brian Harson era. Getting leads has not been the issue. Starting fast has not been the issue. The, abil- the ability to adjust and evolve as the game has gone on has been the biggest issue. And in my opinion, that's what makes a mark of a, a, of a good coach. The ability to make adjustments. The ability to improve as the game goes on. And again, that trend just continued. Auburn struggling in the second half and the inability to adjust to what the other team was putting out there. Luckily for Auburn, Missouri was equally, if not worse, uh, of a football team. Their offense was equally inept, and, and that's not take anything away from this Auburn defense, who I thought really played well. Of course, Derek Hall, I mean, I could go on and on about him. He had a absolutely phenomenal game. Of course, the interception, but he he, he did a great job putting pressure um, on uh, Missouri throughout the whole game. And I thought Auburn's secondary played well in the t- a few times that they got tested I uh, thought they defended the ball well. Of course, D.J. James, I think, continues to play well since he moved into that starting uh, defensive back role. But, man, it was it was just tough. It was just painful to watch just the the way the, 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 way the offense played. So, Auburn goes up 14 to nothing, okay? So, then you, you've got Missouri um, that come, uh, comes, uh, comes out and ties it, uh, ties it up, gets, uh, gets it to 14 to 14. Of course, at the end of the game, uh, Missouri drives uh, down the field, and they decide not to be aggressive 
why Eli Drinkwitz decided not to be aggressive is beside me. Why he didn't try to punch it into the end zone? Why he just? Why did he just settle for a field goal? I don't know. Look, I mean that's a twenty-something yard field goal. I mean that's a make over ninety-something percent of the time, and for that his kicker, it's probably nearly a hundred percent of the time. But still. Weird things happen, so why not use every last bit of time you have to try to get in the end zone? I don't know, and I, I'm sure that he'll uh, regret that decision. Uh, he's regretted that decision, I'm sure, since the time that the, the kicker missed the kick. But nonetheless, I, I thought that that field goal was going to go in, and I thought that's probably the, the last uh, game we'll see Brian Harson uh, coach at Auburn. Yet, he missed it, and this game goes to overtime. So we get into overtime. Uh, Auburn gets the ball first, and here we go. Same same ordeal. Everything that happened in regulation kind of transferred over to overtime. Nothing changed. Offense was still really poor. Still were unable to move the ball. And then we think Robbie Ashford had thrown an interception on third down. Turns out it was incomplete, so we get to kick a field goal. Go up 17-14. to 14. Okay, maybe the defense gets to stop here. And uh, they have to kick a field goal. At least we'll go in second OT. Well, here goes Nathaniel Pete down the sideline. Oh, it's about to be ball game. About to be a touchdown, Missouri. He reaches the ball out and fumbles. <laughs> Auburn wins the game. I mean, wow. It was uh, quite the crazy ending and really a game that Missouri should have won. Yet Auburn won it. And that's all that matters. You can look at the box score, and the box score is ugly for both teams, but Missouri did have more total yards of offense. But Auburn finally won the turnover battle. Missouri had two turnovers, and you got you know you get a little lucky and have a missed uh, chip shot field goal, and you pull out the win, and you're 3-1 in the SEC. Uh, 3-1 and 1-0 and in the SEC. And so at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the box score looks like if you're the winning team. And that's the case. Uh, that was the case on Saturday for Auburn. Uh, but it it doesn't the win doesn't mask all the issues and and we're gonna dive further into that um, here in a bit uh, as we as we move along in the show and talk about LSU because there are things that that if Auburn wants to win this weekend that they're gonna have to uh, improve from this game. Of course, I, I I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Tate Johnson uh, did go down with injury uh, early in that game and he is out for. Um, Six to eight weeks. He did post on social media this morning that he had surgery and the surgery went well. Uh, obviously, Auburn offensive line has struggled. Going to talk more about that coming up right after this break. Uh, we're about to take here in just a second. But uh, that's a big loss for Auburn, especially somebody like Tate who has worked so hard uh, during his time at Auburn to finally get the opportunity to start this year when Nick Brahms uh, had to retire uh, due to injury issues himself. So I, I hate that for uh, Tate Johnson, of course. Uh, TJ was out in this game. I think Donovan Kaufman was out uh, in this game as well. So Auburn has some injuries. Uh, we'll see who all uh, returns this week. And again, we'll get uh, more into that later on. But we're about to take our first break here again. We've got a great uh, show planned uh, for the rest of our segments. We'll finish up. We've got a few more things we want to touch on from the Missouri game. that I will touch on uh, right after the break to finish up. This recap, we'll uh, talk about the offensive line. We'll talk about uh, Tank Bigsby, things I liked and disliked uh, from the game. Bringing that back, still not a ton of likes, but we'll get into that. And then we'll get into a full preview, a lot to talk about in this LSU game uh, coming up. So we'll we'll be right back here on Weagle 91.1 after this short break. These are 1.1. So now to continue this recap, I want to dive into the quarterback situation a little bit. So, T.J. Finley uh, was out last week. It looks like he'll uh, be out again uh, this week uh, for Auburn, but we'll talk more about that later. But So, he's out. So, Robbie Ashford gets his first uh, start at, at Auburn. Of course, he played plenty in the games leading up, but it's still, it, it, there's always something different about making your first start and being that guy. You know, he, we know that uh, he's not the best passer. Uh, I, I don't think anybody would, would say that. But for his first game, for the situations he will put in, you know, I, I think there's definitely things he could have done better. But because of the way that Eric Kusaw called this game, he didn't really give Robbie Ashford 
much opportunity to to do much. To be honest, he 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 allowed him to hand it off. He allowed him to run it a little bit. He did not give him opportunities to try to stretch the field, you know, and try to throw some uh, deeper passes or really even intermediate. Uh, I I really didn't feel like he, he put Robbie Ashford in the best situation to win that football game. Look again, I, you got to play to your quarterback's strength, and I I don't feel like. Uh, Brian Harson, Eric Hesaw did that last week. But even if your quarterback's strength is not throwing the ball and it's not for Robbie Ashford, you still got to let them do it when they're loading the box like they were. You you got to be a, take a few risks. You got to take some shots downfield. You got to try to spread them out. And Auburn didn't do that in this game. So you know it's hard to judge Robbie Ashford's play in this game when he didn't have many opportunities to do much besides take the snap, hand it off. Or, you know, do a, do a sprint out here and there. Or, you know, you take off running here and there. He, he just, I, I felt like he was not put in the, the best position uh, to, to succeed. And that's the whole topic I've got written down here is and poor coaching. You, you, as coaches, you've you got to put your players in the best um, position to win the game. And that's your goal every week. And, and I know that's the Auburn coach's goal. I just don't feel like they're doing it. And the, this kind of topic kind of connects every everything, you know. This is kind of a web here uh, of the topics I want to talk about. That's offensive line. I want to break down that. I want to break down the quarterback play. But it all comes back to coaching. So starting with, with quarterback play, I've got a, you know a quarterback. I've got Robbie Ashford, TJ's out this week. Okay, so my offense has got to change a little bit. With TJ, I want to do more under center. I want to do more 12 personnel. He fits more of a pro-style system. He's not very athletic. Okay, that's fine. But now I've got Robbie Ashford in there. Okay, he's going to fit more of a spread style. I, I pride myself on being a multiple offense, being able to do multiple things. So I've got him in there. I want to run more RPO. I want to do more quarterback runs. I want to get the ball in space more. I want to run more four wide receiver sets. Maybe even I get Tank, Jarquez, and Robbie all in the backfield at the same time. I've got three dynamic athletes that the defense has to account for. And, and then I, I let Robbie do some play-action shots, okay? He's a great runner. I make him respect his legs, and I let him throw it downfield. But Auburn didn't do that. Instead, they stuck with this 12 personnel. They said, we're, we are who we are. We're going we're gonna to line up. We're going to run it down your throats. And we average less than a yard per carry. It's do things that fit the players that you have. Quit trying to force players into systems that don't fit them. We fussed about it during the Malzahn eras. He didn't adapt to his players. And we're seeing the same things. Run That offense is fine with T.J. Finley. That's not what is most going to give Robbie Ashford the chance to be the most successful, though. And I'm not saying you have to completely abandon and never do anything under center, never do 12 personnel with him at quarterback. That's fine. But you need to see a lot more RPO. You need to see a lot more spread formations. It'll benefit Robbie Ashford. It'll give him a better chance to make plays with his legs and in the in the passing game. And I just don't understand why. Why was that not the case this past week? I hope that we see more of that this week against LSU. I, I, you know, Brian Harson said last night in Tiger Talk, how do you beat teams that load up the box? you got to beat them on the edge. That was the case last week, but you didn't do it. I don't understand. It's mind-boggling to me. You, you, you that he can continue to say the things that that you should be doing, yet not do them. That's exactly what you should do. Yes, yeah, so please do it tomorrow. Please put your team in the best situation to win. And that's it's just so frustrating to, to see the talent that this team has. This team, it doesn't have the talent of Alabama. It doesn't have the, the talent of Georgia. It, it honestly probably doesn't even have the talent of LSU. But it's got the talent to beat Missouri by more than three points at home. I mean, you got to be kidding me. You, that, that, that all comes down to coaching, in my opinion. Robbie Ashford is a talented athlete. You can be successful with him at quarterback. And, and for whatever reason, though, Auburn was unable to, to be. And it's not for whatever reason. And the reason is coaching. So how does that change this week? And then another web that I want to connect here that all comes back to coaching, the offensive line play. How in the world did the offensive line play get worse? Somebody answer me that. It's the same players. 
The only change is Nick Brahms is no longer at center. It's been Tate Johnson, and now it'll be Brandon Council this week. How did they get worse? You've been It's been the same offensive line for the last three years, or at least some version of the same players. Yet it got worse. Will Friend, tell me how this is the case. Brian Harson, tell me how this is the case. Eric Kiesel, tell me how this is the case. How did it get worse? And I think it all comes back to the to scheme. You don't have the most powerful, the strongest offensive lineman yet, even though they're in their sixth and Brandon Council's case seventh year. But you continue to run schemes that that require you to just dominate defenders instead of running more zone schemes and just getting a hat on a hat. And and then sometimes it, it's not always coaching. In some cases, these players just get whooped. And, and at times, you've got to take pride as an offensive lineman and say, I've got to win this one-on-one matchup. I've, I've been playing college football for six years. I, I, I'm facing a guy who's a freshman, and he's whooping my tail. Sometimes you've got to take pride in that. That's not going to happen. But for the majority of the time, though, it, it, it is scheme and putting this offensive line the best case to win. And if it's not scheme, then what did I do in the offseason? You know, what did what kind of strength uh, program am I going through that caused this offensive line to 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 get worse, to regress? And, and yet, that is another thing that falls on the shoulder uh, of the coaching staff. When you have a offensive line that's returning, they at least got to be the same. They can't get worse. And just the inability to run the football on Missouri, that's going to be the worst off defensive line Auburn will face in the SEC this year. One of the worst they'll face all season, period. And, and they're unable to uh, to run the football. I mean, the yards after uh, Tank Basie had more yards after contact than he did total yards rushing. You know what that means? It means he was hit, getting hit multiple yards in the backfield. And making things, he's having to work his tail off just to get back to the line of scrimmage. That's embarrassing. It, 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 uh, it's just frustrating to watch as a fan. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm on my soapbox, and I know I'm being negative today, and we're going to get to more positive, I promise you. But I, I just had to discuss these things. I, I, you know, it's, it's very frustrating, and I know I, I share the frustration of many Auburn fans out there of why why this is happening, getting out-schemed, getting out-coached, getting out-physical, losing in every aspect of the game. Yet somehow we won last week, and I still don't know how. But if that continues, this team will be lucky to win one more game. And they deserve better. These guys are playing hard. They're giving it their all. And that's what, you know, I I, I want to give credit to them. I, I questioned the culture last, last week. I, I said... You'll find out pretty quickly what the culture of this team is in this game, depending on how they play. They played hard. They're just not good. At, at, at the end of the day, they're just not a very good football team. But I think they have, and that's what's frustrating, because I think there's enough talent there to be better than they are. But they're still bought in. They're still playing hard, and I want to give those players credit for that. And that's why I was happy to see them get the win, even though the game was as ugly as it was. Because they're going out. They're practicing hard, I know, during the week. And they deserve better. They deserve better from this coaching staff. They they deserve to be put in better situations to win. And then the the final thing I, I wanted to address just from this game is where did Javarius Johnson go? He's been the best receiver, been the best playmaker, and he disappeared. He wasn't targeted. He wasn't on the field enough. Get a ball in your playmaker's hands. Yes, Brian Harson and Eric Kiesel did a better job. Uh, getting the ball into Tank Bigsby's hand this game, even though I, I did feel like that faded there towards the end a little bit. But get it to Traveris Johnson. If you're not able to throw it to him, at least get it to him in jet sweeps. At least get it to him in screens. I, I didn't understand where he went in this game. Look, I, you know, I, I know it can seem a little, you know, hypocritical to be sitting here in a studio as a, you know, 19-year-old freshman in college questioning decisions of, you know, guys who have been coaching college football and in some instances pro football for, for many more years and make uh, millions more dollars than I do. But these things just seem like common sense, you know, and, and I don't feel like this 
this coaching staff is doing it. Sure, I'm sure they had their their reasons for it. You know, Brian Harson told the media, "Well, you're you're not in the meetings. That's true. We're, we're not we're not in the meetings. But there's some things that I, I don't feel like you have to be in the meetings to know that your offensive line is worse this year. That you've got a a, a, a different quarterback now than T.J. Finley. It's more athletic. That has different strengths, and therefore you you evolve your offense to fit him. So, so there's some frustrating things. But again, in the end, Auburn got this win against Missouri, and that's all that matters. They sit at 3-1, 1-0 in the SEC, and, and, the, and everything that you want to achieve is still in front of you. You can still achieve an SEC uh, championship. You can still have a chance to make a run for the playoffs. Do I think any of that is remotely possible? No, but I'm trying to to. Uh, share with you what would be in the mind if you're a player and if you're in that locker room. If you're in that locker room, you're not thinking like we are uh, thinking as fans. This That's what you're thinking of. This is your second SEC game coming up this week, and, and everything is in front of you. So that's enough about the Missouri game and the frustration that came out of that game that, that I saw Coming up after this uh, break, we're going to dive into the LSU game. Of course, some of those things I just discussed are going to come up again because they're going to be topics of of what Auburn needs not to do if they're going to beat LSU this weekend, and we'll kind of tie into what Auburn does need to do if they're going to have a chance in this game. So, yes, those things will be brought up again, but I'm not going to get on my soapbox to the extent that I just did there. But we'll be right back again here on Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1 right after the break. Fire threatens everything. So Auburn faces off against LSU tomorrow night at 6 o'clock on ESPN. Another night game in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Look, I know the whole situation, and we've been negative so far today on the show about Auburn, but I know good and well Auburn faithful will show up, and they'll be loud tomorrow night. I'll be there in the student section. It's going to be a lot of fun. It'll still be a great environment. And uh, for those uh, for the game, people are going to forget everything that's happened so far. Everyone will be locked in and uh, cheering loud, hope, hoping that Auburn can pull out a victory. But this LSU team's a solid football team. They uh, started out the season with a loss of Florida State, and then everyone just kind of already starting to question Brian Kelly and a little bit of an overreaction there. Florida State's still undefeated so far this year. Although I, I'm not completely on the Florida State hype train, I, uh, but that's a, a story for another time. But LSU, nonetheless, they are 3-1. They did beat Mississippi State at home, and uh, they're a solid SEC team. I still think they've got a lot to prove, though. How, how I'm still not sure where exactly they're at. Can they be a finish in the top tier of the SEC West? Possibly could they finish in the lower tier? I think that's also possible as well. But they've got plenty of talent on this team. Brian Kelly is a very good coach. Uh, again, I was not, didn't really think highly of that hire, but you can't argue with the results everywhere Brian Kelly has been. He has won. He has had plenty of success. Of course, I was just unsure of the culture fit. But if you win, it won't matter. So to go ahead and dive into what you're going to see from this LSU team, starting with their offense, everything, and I mean everything, revolves around their quarterback, Jaden Daniels, the transfer from Arizona State. He is a premier athlete. He, he's been a little banged up, but I do expect him to be fine and, and to play in this game. Uh, if he can't, then that would change every aspect about this game, but I don't think that's going to be the case. He's not a great passer, He's a great runner, though. Uh, like I said, a great athlete. Um, he doesn't like to stay in the pocket either. Uh, he he escapes the pocket too soon, uh, quite honestly. And he's but he hasn't thrown any interceptions this year. And part of the reason that is is because he leaves the pocket so soon. And he's not going to throw a pass unless he's extremely confident that his receiver is going to make the catch. He, he he's only going to throw it to a receiver if they're if they're open. He he's not going to try to force it. He's, he's not going to really try to throw you open. If you're open, he'll hit you. If not, he's going to take off running. And that's kind of how this, this LSU offense, a lot of how it, it runs is simply on broken down plays. When plays break down, he make things, makes things happen. That's not sound football, but it works, and, it, and it's worked for this LSU offense. Uh, at running back, Armani Goodwin is out for this game. 
But again, the leading rusher for this team, I believe, is Jaden Daniels. So they're going to call plenty of design runs for him, plenty of QB powers and draws, but uh, plenty of RPOs for him. Uh, and he'll get out into space and he'll make plays with his legs. But again, a lot of his running just comes on simple drop back, pass, and just take off scrambling. And so again, not necessarily sound football or sound technique, but it works for this LSU offense. But if Auburn is able to uh, keep an eye on that and slow that down, then they could have some success against this LSU team. Uh, as far as other impact players on this offense, uh, Keishon Booty is a very talented wide receiver. But because this, this passing game for LSU has not, not been the, the best so far, he's had a, a quiet season. But he is somebody who they're going to try to get the football to and that can make plays. Uh, you'll see a lot of uh, quick screens from this team. They want to get, again, get it to guys like Booty in in the um, in space and let him go and make plays. So you're going to see plenty of that. Their offense line, pretty solid. I'll give them that. They're, uh, one of their guards, Garrett Dellinger, is out for this game. They've got two freshmen starting at tackle. So your immediate you know, response to that is, oh, that's probably a good thing. Their offensive line probably not solid. No. Although they're freshmen, they're pretty solid uh, players uh, for, for LSU. So, um, for this Auburn team to have success, again, in what is more than likely going to be a lower-scoring game, uh, this Auburn defense is going to have to play out of their mind because we know what this Auburn offense is. We know it's, it, it's struggling. So this Auburn defense is going to have to find ways to try to create turnovers. But like I said, LSU hasn't turned the ball over. Jane Daniels hasn't thrown interceptions. But the key for this defense, first and foremost, you've got to contain Jane Daniels. Uh, Jeff Smitting is going to have to have someone keeping a spy on Jane Daniels at all times. Wherever he goes, you've got to go. Yes, that may mean you have to play more man coverage. Yes, that means you're going to have some one less player in, uh, in coverage. But nonetheless, you're going to have to do it because he you cannot let Jane Daniels beat you because he will. He'll beat you with his legs more than likely. But if I'm if I'm already if I'm just minting, I'm saying somebody else is going to have to beat me in this game. That means I'm I, I'm probably going to play more man to man coverage. I'm probably going to put more guys in the box. I'm going to always keep a spy on, on Daniels, and I'm going to say, "Beat me throwing the football." I want you to stay in the pocket, and I want you to beat me throwing the football. A straight up, just get after the passer rush kind of technique in this game. It's not really what you want to do. And when you're facing a quarterback like this, really you want to keep contained. So you want to get up, you want to get upfield a little bit, and you want to keep him in the pocket and force him to make throws. So that means the secondary is going to have to play well. You're going to have to trust them and get some of these talented LSU receivers to stay in coverage for a little bit longer because I want to force Jaden Daniels to throw the football. That's that's the approach I, I would take, and I believe this is the approach that, that Jeff Schmitting will take. Jaden Daniels, again, doesn't want to stay in the pocket. He wants to get out of the pocket, so, so force him to stay in there. So sacks aren't necessarily what you'll be looking for in this game. It's more forcing him uh, containing the quarterback. So, you know, you may look uh, after this game, and if Auburn somehow, you know, pulls off the, the upset here and say, well, how'd they pull off the upset if Derek Holland uh, Leota, neither one had a sack. Well, that means that they were getting contained. They're forcing Jane Daniels to make throws that he didn't want to. Uh, he didn't want to make. And it doesn't necessarily mean they 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 got him down to the ground because sometimes you can over pursue when you're going after a sack, and then he can stay at the pocket and there's a 20 yard scramble, and do that a couple times and you're down the field and into the red zone. So keep your eye on him. If Auburn defense wants to be successful in this game, stop Jane Daniels for someone else to beat you. Uh, as for uh, LSU's defense, they've got a, a good defense. That's typical for LSU, and this year is not the exception. They they are very, uh, very talented on the defensive end. Their strength is in their front seven. Their linebackers, their defensive line. Their pass rush is phenomenal. They've got 11 sacks on the season, and that's not taking any, anything away from the run defense either because the run defense is solid uh, as well. But again, 11 sacks, and this stat I don't want to say, eight turnovers. They created eight turnovers this year, um, so they're, they're pretty good. Uh, 
their their stud for their defense, who was uh, out last week, uh, is B.J. Ojolari. He's an edge rusher, uh, very, very talented player. Uh, you'll see this LSU team run lots of stunts. Again, um, I think you'll see possibly do some, some similar things. Manny Diaz liked to run stunts for uh, with Penn State, and it caused a lot of confusion in, in that game for Auburn's offensive line. I think LSU will certainly try to replicate that with what they do uh, up front. Again, that's why it's going to be vital for with the amount of sacks and the pass rush that this LSU defense is able to create. It's going to be vital uh, for this Auburn offense to call plays to where Robbie Ashford is able to get out of the pocket and make things happen with his legs, uh, or at least get him out of the pocket to throw. So shifting that pocket, so a sprint out left, a sprint out right, a play action, anything, just natural bootlegs, anything to get him out of the pocket to try to get away from this pass rush. But, like I said with Jaden Daniels, how he can make plays when things break down. If Robbie Asher is able to avoid the pressure and extend the play by getting a, a 10, 15-yard, 20-yard scramble, he can do similar things that Jaden Daniels can do. But Jaden Daniels, although not a great passer, is a better passer than Robbie Asher. But they're similar in the fact that both want to run the football. Both uh, That is the strength of both quarterbacks. So again, for, for Auburn attacking, as I mentioned, getting the ball out into space, getting it to your playmakers on the edge, Auburn's not going to win this football game by lining up 12 personnel and saying, hey, we're going to run it right at this front seven of LSU. It will be a slaughtering if they try to do that. It'll be worse than last week, and it's hard to imagine worse than last week as far as running the football when you average less than a yard per carry and tank big people getting hit in the backfield on every run. You still have to keep them honest, so you're going to have to run, yes, some between the tackles. But for the most part, got to get out into space. Quick screens, quick slants, passes early on in the game to try to get Robbie Ashford comfortable. And then, look, you're going to have to take risks. LSU's going to load the box, so you're going to have to take some risks of some shots downfield. But in order to do that, you've got to have protection. So let's you know do a sprint out right with a, with a vertical, and let's try to... And let's try to burn LSU deep. Again, get the ball into Javarius Johnson's hands. Get the ball into Coy, Moore hand, uh, Coy Moore's hands. Get the ball to Tanks. Uh, even if you're not able to run the ball between the tackles, Auburn still has to get the ball to Tank Bixby. He's your best player. Whether that's a jet sweep, whether that's in, in the passing game, some way, somehow, still get the ball to Tank Bixby, even if you're not running it on the edge, because he has the best chance uh, of making something happen for this Auburn uh, offense. It's not going to be easy. It, it, it's not. It, it, I have a hard time uh, seeing how this Auburn offense is successful in this game because of the in, in, inability to throw the football, because of the inability to uh, run the football with the offensive line and the way the LSU is going to play this game, and because of the talent of this front seven against this Auburn offensive line that is really poor. Um, it's going to be hard to score points. Turnovers are going to be huge. If Auburn is able to come up with turnovers and give the offense a short field, uh, and if Auburn's going to have to force LSU to make some mistakes uh, for Auburn to win this football game, they, they've got to convert. Absolutely, if Auburn gets in the red zone, they've got to score touchdowns because I think the times in the red zone, if Auburn gets there at all, it's going to be you're going to be limited in your chances. So getting in the red zone absolutely has to result in touchdowns. Creating short field field position is going to be crucial in this game. Getting field position on your side and, and at least being able to get some type of points, and when points are going to be hard to come by, is going to be vital in this game. It, so to lay it out, how, how does Auburn win this game? It, it's what I just said. It, it's creating turnovers. It's taking advantage. Uh, it's having advantage in uh, field position throughout throughout the game, and scoring points when you have the opportunities to. They've got to got to get the crowd in this game. Get this game close in the fourth quarter, and anything can happen in Jordan Hare Stadium. The defense is going to have to play out of their mind and going to have to keep this thing low scoring, and. Uh, maybe have a chance here late. I, I don't have a, a ton of confidence, but that is the way that Auburn can win this football game uh, tomorrow night. But I'm going to hold off, and we'll do the prediction 
in our final segment that is coming up right after we take our final break here. Again, coming up, we've got a, a few, uh, not a ton of games to pick, but the games we, uh, we are picking are some exciting ones. And I think I'm going to have a few surprise upsets uh, in, in there for you too. So make sure to stay tuned in for this final segment here on Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. We'll be right back. If you've been working, you've already proven yourself in ways you may not even notice managing your time. Welcome back here to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1 as we enter our final segment here and we're going to dive into game predictions starting out with arguably the game I'm uh, most excited about minus the Auburn game tomorrow. That's Kentucky at Ole Miss, a matchup we really just don't get to see much because it's SEC East versus uh, an SEC West matchup. This is two ranked teams in the SEC uh, Kentucky, a top 10 team with obviously a very talented quarterback in Will Levis facing Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. Uh, Lane Kiffin certainly has been on a lot of message Auburn message boards about it being a, a possible candidate for Auburn if Auburn is to move on from Brian Harson. Uh, he tweeted out this week, of course, that, you know, about staying at an uh, article that said that, you know, him and Mark Soup should both stay at. Uh, their their schools and shouldn't be interested in in uh, Nebraska and or Auburn uh, jobs if uh, those were interested in, in those two coaches. That doesn't really mean anything. Uh, I, I just think Lane Kiffin is trying to uh, rally some support because he's been frustrated by the lack of fan uh, support at Ole Miss. The um, he uh, called the support at last week's game against uh, Tulsa, I believe, compared to a high school game. So he, he's doing his best to try to create a great environment for his team. Uh, the Grove, they have great tailgating, but for whatever reason, they don't like to to bring that energy and excitement into the stadium. This is an 11 a.m. kick, so can they do it this week? I think after everything that Kiffin has said this week, you know, trying to uh, rile them up, I think it'll be a great environment uh, in Vault Hemingway Stadium, even though it is an 11 a.m. kickoff. But with that being said, this game is really intriguing to me. Look, Kentucky's already won a game on the road, a tough game on the road, and arguably one of the best environments in college football. They went down to the swamp and got the win. Now, Ole Miss is a is a better team than Florida, in my opinion. They are. They're still struggling a little bit offensively. They're banged up. Uh, Quinshawn Junkins may be the only uh, running back that they've got healthy in this game. I'm not sure Zach Evans is going to go for them, and that could be an issue for Ole Miss, they struggled a little bit in the passing game. They let their foot off the gas last week in, in what should be a cupcake game. They let Tulsa get back into it. Uh, and then as far as Kentucky goes, they get Chris Rodriguez back, who was a leading rusher last year in the SEC. Now, this Kentucky offensive line has struggled this year. They're averaging two and a half yards per rush, but Chris Rodriguez can change things. He can make things happen. But if you can't block, as we've seen, it uh, uh, plenty here at Auburn. It doesn't necessarily matter, but I think Chris Rodriguez can turn that two and a half maybe into three yards per rush, and, and that that can be a big difference in a game. He's a very talented player. That's a huge uh, get for Kentucky to have him returning this weekend. And so I'm going to go Kentucky in the upset on the road against Ole Miss. I, I like Kentucky in this game. I know most of you, uh, Ole Miss at home, Lane Kiffin offense. I know, I know, but I just, I, I like this Kentucky team a lot. I like Will Levis. I like this Kentucky defense. And after, and I, I don't judge too much into cupcake games and how teams perform in those games. So that's not really what I'm basing this prediction off of. I, I just think that this Ole Miss passing game has not showed me enough yet. So therefore, I think this is a little bit of a lower scoring game, which benefits Kentucky. So I'm going Kentucky, not going to be an easy game. Uh, I think it'll be a close game down to the wire, but in the end, Kentucky's going to pull this one out. Now, Oklahoma TCU. Oklahoma coming off the loss to Kansas State last weekend. Kansas State continues to be the kryptonite for Oklahoma, and they go to TCU, which is, uh, I believe, maybe undefeated so far on the season, coming off the win uh, last week against SMU. But I think Oklahoma gets back on the right uh, track this week. I think I think they beat TCU, and I think they beat them big. Again, playing at TCU, not an easy place to play. 
but I think Oklahoma uh, gets it done this weekend. Now, Alabama at Arkansas. This is an exciting matchup. Arkansas won the box score last uh, weekend against Texas A&M, but K.J. Jefferson's fumble, it was a game-changer. Turnovers are huge, and that was in that game. Then they had the oink-doink. The field goal goes off the upright, and they end up losing that game to A&M. So that was obviously a very disappointing loss for Sam Pittman and the Razorbacks. This is still a solid Arkansas football team. K.J. Jefferson is still a solid uh, player. They've still got a good defense. This is a dangerous game for Alabama for a couple reasons. Number one, Arkansas is coming off a loss. And number two, they've got nothing to lose because of that. They're coming off the, the loss now in the SEC West in conference play. They're playing the the uh, arguably the best team in the country. They can be aggressive. They, they can play free. And look, they're going to... Everyone's always motivated to play Alabama. That that you know that no matter what situation is. But now that now that you've got that bitter taste in your mouth, you want to get that loss, you know that feeling of that loss out of your system. And, and then you think back to last year's game. This was a a uh, quite remarkable game last year. Uh, Arkansas put up 35 points. The problem was Alabama put up 42, and Bryce Young threw for five touchdown passes, and Alabama had nearly 700. Yes, nearly 700 yards of total offense. Uh, Arkansas is going to have to play better than that defensively if they want to win this game uh, this weekend uh, at home. It's going to be a great environment for Arkansas, but if you're going to beat Alabama, things have to break your way. They're going to have to have some turnovers. They're going to have to have Alabama make some mistakes. They're going to have to be... Arkansas is going to have to play clean football. They're going to have to uh, hope that uh, Alabama uh, makes a lot of penalties in this game. And K.J. Jefferson's going to have to have a great game. But it's going to start with running the football. They've got to be able to run the football if they want to stay in this game and compete with Alabama, control the clock, keep the ball out of Bryce Young's uh, hands in this game. If you allow Alabama to constantly have the football, they will run it up. This Our Arkansas offense uh, needs to be able to control the time of possession. But here's an interesting theme right before I make this pick. Alabama's last five road games, dating back to last season, they've struggled, including this year against Texas. The only exception was a 49-9 win at Mississippi State last season. But you go back to the Iron Bowl. You go back to the Florida game early last season. You go back to where they lost at Texas A&M. They've struggled on the road. And if they struggle, and you get into the fourth quarter, and this is a dogfight, Arkansas has a chance. They're going to believe. They're a 17.5-point underdog. They'll at least cover that. But they'll believe. In this fan base, it'll start getting riled up, and this game gets dangerous. So you know what? I'm going to do it. I've debated it, and I no, I can't do it. But what do I have to lose? I'm going to pick Arkansas in a big upset just because of the way Alabama's played on the road. I think finally it catches up to them. Now I could be made a fool, and they may have finally figured out their their road issues, and they may just absolutely dominate Arkansas. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But you know what? What I have to lose, I'm picking Arkansas. Now, Oklahoma State at Baylor, I've got to go quick because I spent a long time on that uh, game right there. But Oklahoma State at Baylor, this is a rematch of the Big 12 championship game from last season. That was a wild finish. Uh, Oklahoma State comes within an inch, literal inch, of winning that game. Uh, the football just doesn't quite go across the pile line, and Baylor wins the Big 12 championship game. Oklahoma State seems like the better team this year, and I'm going to go them even though they're on the road. They get the road win at Baylor, get a little bit of revenge for last season's loss in the Big 12 championship game. I like Oklahoma State. Now, Wake Forest at Florida State, I mentioned they beat LSU in uh, the opening week. Uh, Wake Forest coming off the heartbreaking uh, loss uh, to Clemson, where really you could argue they they could have won that game. Sam Hartman played outstanding. They just couldn't come up with the stops they needed to win that game. They're going on the road to Florida State, to an undefeated Florida State, but I've got Wake Forest. Wake Forest figures it out, and they come up with a victory uh, in this game. Florida State feeling good. I just still not completely sold on this Florida State team. How does Wake Forest respond if they're still 
a little hungover from that Clemson loss, then they won't be able to win this game. But if they play the way they did last weekend offensively, they'll win this game against Florida State. Now, Texas A&M at Mississippi State. Mississippi State has one SEC loss. They lost to LSU. I'm still kind of high, though, on this Mississippi State team. I like Will Rogers. I like what they're doing. And in typical A&M fashion, I think they'll look poor this week. Uh, you know, Jimbo Fisher, the typical uh, roller coaster ride that is uh, Texas A&M and under Jimbo Fisher. So I like Mississippi State to win this one, and I think they'll cover this game. I think they may win by uh, multiple scores. Now, NC State at Clemson, uh, a top 10 matchup between these two ACC schools. Uh, Devin Leary, again, NC State for a lot of people was a uh, dark horse uh, to win the ACC this year and make the college football playoff, but they've kind of underachieved. They haven't looked real good offensively, even with Devin Leary uh, being a, a senior this season. Clemson looked outstanding. Uh, DJ Uyangalale had arguably his best game since when he filled in for Trevor, Trevor Lawrence against Notre Dame in his freshman season last weekend against Wake. Can that continue? If it does, Clemson wins this game. They win it easily. I'm not sure, though, how much of weather is going to be a factor due to the hurricane in this game. So, with that being said, I think Clemson wins it, but I don't think DJ plays as well as he did last weekend. I think they have to depend on that run game and Will Shipley a little bit more, and therefore Clemson wins, but in a close game. And then to conclude, tomorrow night, Auburn-LSU, the great uh, great SEC matchup. Again, it's going to be a great environment in Jordan-Hare Stadium. However, I, I hate to do this, but I cannot compromise my integrity. And I cannot sit here and, and just lie to you, even though this is an Auburn podcast, and tell you I think Auburn is going to win this football game. I don't. I hope they do, and I certainly think they can, but I just don't think they will. And I've got to go LSU in this game. I just don't think Auburn has enough offensive firepower to find ways to score enough points in this game to win it. I just, there's not, I haven't seen enough to give me confidence. So I hate to do it, but therefore I uh, I got to pick LSU. So I hate to, to leave and to end the show on a down note. Uh, although the outro here will, in just a few seconds will say uh, that I uh, will be back next Friday. That is incorrect uh, due to fall break here at Auburn. Uh, I will not have a show next Friday, but I will be back here the following Friday. Who knows? A lot could have changed uh, in this two weeks. Uh, that uh, we'll see what happens. But um, I will be back again two Fridays from now, and I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about as we always do. So thank you again for tuning in to Talking Tumors uh, today here on Weagle ninety one point one. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Friday at 11 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com and follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle and see you next time.